Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We cannot allow chemical weapons or, God forbid, tactical nuclear weapons. That the invaders have already taken more than 121,000 children out of Ukraine. All of a sudden, it's no longer a ghost. It has a return address. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It's News and Views for a Tuesday. Thanks for letting me have the day off yesterday. I'm away on a little business trip. Um, the big rally for Donald Trump took place Saturday night. Uh, all kinds of different numbers as far as how many people attended, which is normal for this sort of thing. The uh, right side broadcasting, which televised the event, they said there was about 20,000 people there. Um, One person uh, by the name of Lars Dolter said, uh, no way. WRAL referred to the rally as being attended by several thousand. So if WRAL said that uh, the Trump rally had several thousand, um, I would say that that's um, probably on the low side, but. Who knows? Uh, Nonetheless, the rally uh, took place. Congressman Ted Budd was one of the keynote uh, folks there besides uh, Trump. The the rally was a Save America rally, but it was the endorsement of uh, Ted Budd, who is running for uh, Richard Burr's seat. Uh, Dallas Woodhouse, writing for the Carolina Journal, said this was his second best week of the primary saying that probably his first best week was the endorsement last summer when Ted Budd was down here with Donald Trump as the keynote speaker right here in Greenville. Um, his endorsement by uh, uh, for Ted Budd by Donald Trump. Um, well, this uh, then Dallas goes on and said, well, maybe this week was bigger. Not only did they have the get-together in Johnson County, but during that get-together, not only did Trump get up and once again endorse Ted Budd, but probably the most popular Republican in the state of North Carolina. Isn't this an irony? I mean, the, the liberals, the progressives always call conservatives racist, right? I mean, we're all racist, according to them. The most popular Republican in North Carolina is Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, a black man. <laughs> he is the most popular. He is essentially the kingmaker. He came out, in terms of North Carolina politics right now, that's where he is. He came out and endorsed Ted Budd. He said, I throw all of my weight and my support behind Ted Budd. And uh, <laughs> he's got a little weight to throw behind him. Uh, he is going to be the next senator of North Carolina, Robinson said. Back in 2018, when I met Congressman Bud, he stood as one of the people I admired most uh, because he was an individual who never compromised his beliefs. He stood strong as a conservative and strong as a Christian. In the Senate race we have today, our party needs to come together, Robinson said. We need to join together to make sure that we could send a strong, principled, conservative candidate to Washington, that we could push him through this primary and blast him through the general election, beating his Democrat opponent. So far this week... Uh, This is probably the best week in terms of polling. Now, remember, we told you last week the uh, new Civitas poll came out. They had Bud at 32%, Pat McCory at 21%, Mark Walker at 7%, Marjorie Eastman 
came in fourth with 1%. By the way, Marjorie Eastman is going to be with us tomorrow afternoon. Uh, the poll is a reversal from where the numbers stood back in January. Bud's rise in the polls comes after a multi-million dollar spending spree from Club for Growth. You've probably seen their ads, heard their ads. A spokesman for Club for Growth told WRAL last week that the group has already spent $8.4 million since the start of the election cycle. They plan to spend another $5.6 more by primary day, May 17th. Uh, Mark Walker has complained for months about the enormous influence of one special interest group in the race, tweeting, I don't remember winning any polls, but I've never lost a race, a forum, or a debate. It's sad that Ted Budd has bailed on another debate, refusing to show up after committing $14 million of D.C. dark money. That can buy a lot. Time will tell if it can buy a Senate primary. I I don't disagree with Mark, Mark Walker, but my hunch is that... Uh, if the roles were reversed, Mark Walker would not debate either. I mean, the the advice from the pundits would be, uh, you're ahead, don't do anything to jeopardize that. Although it, it is a, a little negative that uh, Ted Budd will not uh, enter into a debate. McCrory joined in the tweeting, Club for Growth Spending Millions, I'm st- still here, Carolina can't be brought. A CBS 17 The Hill Emerson College poll found that Bud had the support of 38% of voters uh, on the uh, May 17th primary and uh, that he would be favored in a head-to-head election against likely uh, Cherry Beasley of uh, the Democrat Party in November. Bud's margin in this particular poll was 16% advantage over McCrory. He was at 22%. Mark, uh, Mark Walker in this poll, the CBS uh, Hill Emerson College poll, Walker was at about 9%. Spencer Kimball, executive director for the Emerson College polling, noted Bud and McCory are evenly sp- split, 31% apiece among suburban voters. However, rural voters break for Bud 42%, McCory at 11%. Amongst um, uh, Republican primary voters, 59% said Trump's endorsement makes them more likely to vote for the candidate. The McCrory campaign has focused on McCrory's electability in November. I mean, that's what he's basically been saying over and over again. When you consider who you're going to vote for in the primary, consider who's the best to beat the Democrat uh, candidate in November, which is a, a reasonable question to ask, to focus on. However, according to the Emerson poll, Bud would defeat Cherry Beasley 50% to 43%. Walker would also be a slight advantage in the general election, 47% to Beasley's 42%. But interestingly, the one thing that McCrory keeps talking about how important this is in the general election, who can beat Beasley in the general election, according to this Emerson College poll, Beasley would have a slight edge over McCrory, 43% to 41%, with 16% undecided. So uh, interesting stuff. We'll continue to follow that. Uh, we have calls out to Mark Walker and to Ted Budd. We just had Pat McCory on a couple of weeks ago to uh, come on the program, and we'll continue to pursue that again tomorrow. Marjorie Eastman will be on with us at about 5.20 tomorrow afternoon. Uh, you've probably heard by now, if you've listened to the news at all today, inflation numbers are in, and it's not good. Costly inflation climbed even higher to a new four-decade high, 8.5%. Now, that's annualized 
the latest uptick in March, uh, highest annual rate of increase of inflation since December of 1981, according to the data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. On a monthly basis, the Consumer Price Index of the cost of goods and services rose 1.2% from February to March. Labor Department officials said price increases for gasoline, shelter, and food were the largest contributors to inflation. The gasoline price rose 18.5.3% uh, in March. Again, that's annualized. Uh, excluding volatile food and gas prices, the CPI still rose. No, I, I take that back. That 18.3% from February to March was just in that month. Excluding volatile food and gas prices, the CPI rose 6.5% year over year. The March reading came in slightly higher than expected. Economists had expected the CPI to join to jump by 8.4%. As of today, the national average price for gasoline was right at um, $4.10, I should say. Prices are still higher than they were the same day a year ago. Uh, The good old days a year ago, it was $2.86. So uh, we'll see where this goes. I don't see it going in the right direction anytime soon with Biden in the White House. I mean, basically until the Republicans can take control of the House and the Senate. And, you know, I, I want to ask um, Greg Murphy when he joins us here in a few minutes. I mean, it looks like it, it looks like there's a real, real strong possibility that the Republicans are going to shellac the Democrats, will they wake up and get the message? I don't think so. Uh, and one wonders, is it because they're stupid and foolish, or is this what they want? I mean, right now, are they thinking, we're going to do everything we can do to get our way, you know, let's get while the getting is good, or the, or the, are, are they clueless? Uh, here's one individual that's clueless. MSNBC's Joy Reid. Her solution for inflation. Are you ready for this? She is uh, saying that, well, first of all, it's a, a Russia-boosted crisis. And, you know, a, a small percentage of this is reflected on Russia. But it could have been avoidable if Joe Biden hadn't shut down our drilling our fossil fuel, if he had kept the XL pipeline, I mean, it would have been possibly we'd have seen a little uptick, but not as much as we've seen. But even then, inflation, it's, it's a small percentage on the cost of fuel for supply and demand of fuel. It's because we're printing so much money, money that we don't have. Look, if the, the more money you print, the less valuable it becomes. And that's economy 101. So what is Joy Reid's solution? Um, she thinks the best thing to do would to be have the United States go out and have another economic relief package, just like the pandemic relief package. So uh, what caused the problem to begin with is Joy Reid. She thinks this is a solution. Let's do it again. Joy, the only thing that would happen would be it would be twice as bad if we did it again. Commenting on a list of dramatic year-over-year price increases listed by the Washington Post, Heather Long read fumed earlier today on Twitter, quote, sure would be nice if we had enough senators who might 
be open to doing a second CARES Act to help people get through this Russian Russia-boosted crisis. The first CARES Act was the $2.2 trillion stimulus signed back in 2020. It was far, by far the greatest economic stimulus package in U.S. history. Last year, Biden signed a separate $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill. So uh, what is that? Up to about $3 trillion. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, almost $4 trillion. Uh, and uh, what does Joy Reid want to do? Let's do it all again. Uh, yeah, it, that would be a, a disaster. David Askel, uh, uh, Axelrod, former uh, chief campaign strategist for Obama, um, he has said that, listen, remember Obama last week when he was in the White House, he kept talking about how this is uh, uh, about bad messaging. Even David Axelrod said, this isn't messaging. This is not about messaging. This is all about terrible policy. We got to take a time out. Stay with us when we come back. We're going to be joined by Congressman Greg Murphy to talk politics. Stay with us. We'll be right back. A collection of question marks. A lot of questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the what's, and the where's. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Congressman Greg Murphy represents North Carolina's third congressional district and if you're somewhere in eastern North Carolina, he either is your congressman or he will be your congressman because uh, uh, between the old district and the new district, uh, he, he, he's representing people for about a third of the state. It's, it's that uh, convoluted, but um, we'll, we'll figure it all out. Uh, congressman Murphy, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you with us. Hey, Tom. Good afternoon. You're right. Uh, I'm actually in uh, Duplin County right now and uh, loving the folks in Duplin County but we do have a pretty large district one end to the other it's almost close to a six-hour drive so uh, it is I get a lot of miles <laughs> I get a lot of miles on my truck so. you, mean, you might need to get a helicopter I mean it is unbelievable how large this district is uh, let's talk uh, let's talk a little politics and uh, current events uh, inflation numbers came out not good costly inflation at a new four decade high 8.5 percent and i've just shared a story uh one of our favorite uh, liberals or not uh joy reed came out and said well we need, need another bailout package uh, to combat uh, these high inflation oh, numbers God. yeah you can't make it up your that, thoughts that just well that shows you a fundamental miss or lack of understanding of what inflation is caused by it literally these folks can't do math tom they don't understand basic economics. And, you know, it just is incredulous to me that AOC apparently graduated with a degree in economics from Boston University. <laughs> I think that's true. I don't know what they're teaching up there. Uh, I took a couple courses in economics at, at, in college at Davidson. And my God, this is not the economics that is for a very, very long time. It just, again, shows what an absolute um, ignorance um, of what true economies and how it all works. 
what do you think the fallout is going to be and do you i mean there's uh, of course the fed has started to raise interest rates we're we're hearing that there'll probably be three more rate hikes this year between now and election day i just don't see that making a big difference i don't either and tom i'm fearful i'm very very fearful of this inflationary uh environment causing a, a very very bad recession and uh, I don't mean to make the markets claim, and, you know, I'm not an economist, I'm a surgeon. Um, but it, you, you feel like when people know that things are going to cost more and more and more, they can afford less and less and less, especially when you're paying, you know, three and a half, four dollars at the pump. And that's cheap in eastern North Carolina. You know, you go to the West Coast and they're playing six oh, yeah. or seven dollars uh, a gallon. And so people are going to stop purchasing items because they can't afford them. And then we end up turning into, well, there, there's less demand, so they'll be producing less, et cetera, et cetera. And so, again, you know, I, I don't know if you could have had a wrecking ball um, that would have done a worse job with the United States of America than Joe Biden has done. Yeah, he came in in the midst of a pandemic. But in my opinion, and we can talk about the medicine and everything um, as an aside, but in my opinion, he's done everything to destroy this country from the economy, from crime from our border, which will be soon a cataclysmic event in this nation's history to our international relations, what he did in Afghanistan, which I believe personally was the beginning of the war in Ukraine, showing the world weakness. But I don't know how a a single president could have literally done so much to destroy a country in 14 months that Joe Biden has done. Well, let me ask you this in dead seriousness, getting back to the inflation issue. Do you think there's a possibility that some in perverted way that they think okay, we can inflate our way out of this huge debt that we're under. You know, it's interesting you say that because I have actually, I heard that theory last week, but just think about what the result is. Yeah, we're going to deflate our debt because money is basically going to be worthless. But what does that do to the American people? What does it do to your assets? What What does it do to your life savings? What does it do to all these things? We kill the country in an effort to save it? Um, what? How does that make sense? Oh, I agree. Uh, but I, I think that's, you know, get, getting back to your point of, of, you know, if you if you wanted to throw the ball game, it couldn't. I mean, this is this looks like they're throwing the game. It looks like, OK, here we're handing you a fairly good economy. We're handing you energy independence and they're doing everything they can do to kill it. And I can't believe it's just because they hate Donald Trump or just because they hate conservatives. One, one, and you, you look at it and say, is it stupidity or is it deliberate? And the, the further we go along with this, uh, maybe it's a combination of the two, but there seems to be a lot of uh, deliberate decisions made that are horrendous. Well, Tom, let there be, in my opinion, and this is, again, my just opinion, I don't believe this is Biden term. I believe this is Obama's third term. Yes. I think he's directing the scenes very, very much behind the, behind the lines. But let's look at what some of the progressives, let's just silo them out and try to be analytical about it. What does AOC and Elizabeth Warren want? They want socialism for the country. They want the, the fundamental um, democracy or democratic republic that we have to turn into a socialistic country. So they advocate policies literally, literally to destroy the country. And then let's look at Rashid Tlaib and Ilian Omar. They want to, they do not like the Judeo-Christian uh, um, history of this country. They're so anti-Semitic, uh, uh, 
they're anti-Semites. I can't remember the adjective. Right, right. Um, at this Semitic, point, in time, yeah. they want to destroy this country. Yeah, and then um, then you look at Corey Bush and and uh, uh, Presley. They they don't like um, they they want to defund the police. They want a criminal element to take over the country um, in every regard, and that goes with BLM and some of the other things. So we literally have people in Congress who are not being not doing it silently. They are advocating and pushing policy that will destroy the nation as we know and exist. And this is what it takes. It takes people who understand them. And, you know, it doesn't take people who just scream louder than they um, than they than they scream. It takes people to outsmart them. Right. And this is what the Republican Party needs to do. It needs to outsmart them, which we can very, very easily do. We're talking to Congressman Greg Murphy. Speaking of that. You actually came out with a uh, House resolution, I guess it was last week, which I talked about it on the show because I thought it was brilliant. And, and this is directly to the people you just mentioned in the squad and others. But you introduced a House resolution expressing that any member of Congress who makes a public state statement advocating for defunding the police should not be permitted to use tax dollars to contract private security. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. You know, look at this, you know, because Presley and um, uh, the other gal, good Lord, now I'm blanking on her name, uh, from Missouri, Cori Bush, they've advocated for this. But you know what, Tom? They've they've spent up to $200,000 for personal security. Unbelievable. Personal security of taxpayer dollars. While they're screaming to defund the police and destabilize society, they're throwing $200,000 of your money my money, taxpayer dollars, away for their own personal security. And we saw this with Seattle. We saw this with city council members. We saw this all over the place. It's, again, rules for thee, not for me. And that's no. been the mantra of the Democratic Party, the progressive part. You know, there are some moderate Republicans who you can actually have dialogues with. You know, you may disagree on some points, but you can actually agree on other points. These people, you can't agree on them with anything. With anything, it is so um, so destructive to our country. I assume Nancy Pelosi didn't really let it go anywhere. It was introduced, and that's about it, I, because Nancy's in charge. I assume it didn't really that, that go any further, other than that's being correct. Announced, right. Well, would you? Yeah, would you? Right. I had to throw a throw a line down, and so be it. So right, yeah. But I'm not, my my next question is: Are you going to try to do anything more with it when the House is go, goes over to the Republican control? Which it looks like it probably I will. Sure am. Yeah. Good. I sure am. I'm not going to. I don't do things just for the sake of doing them, Tom. I do them with purpose and meaning. And I'll push that again, whether, you know, I'm presuming that Kevin McCarthy um, will want to push any of that. That's kind of that's up to the speaker. That's what their duties are of, of leader of the of the entire House. They get to determine which legislation moves forward. But, you know, there's so many things that are going on, Tom, that we just we can't let these go on anymore. It, enough is enough. Yeah. Enough is enough. Thank you. Speaking of Kevin McCarthy, um, he, he was on uh, Maria Bartiromo on Sunday. You were on with her on Fox Business, I guess it was last Friday, and the whole question of impeachment came up, and I, I thought you uh, talked a lot of sense, but you also gave a warning. Uh, what do we do if we impeach him, we get her, and number two is probably worse than number one. Do you think... Uh, uh, but but I mean, there's such malfeasance going on. There's such malfeasance going yeah. on that, that, that impeachment ought to be considered. 
Well, Tom, you know, I'm not one there to sit. We have some folks on our side and the other side that love to chase cameras and scream and make outrageous statements. And I don't say that statement about impeachment lightly. I don't. But if you look at and happened, what is happening at our southern border, and I'll talk yes. about this specifically from a physician standpoint, we are allowing, allowing the overflow of illicit fentanyl onto our city streets. And when them now they're going to take away Title 42, and they're now anticipating, and this is Biden numbers, which is oftentimes way different from reality. They're anticipating 18,000 um, folks to come across the border illegally per day, per day. Mm. But then the numbers of fentanyl products that come across our border, now the price of fentanyl is half, half of what it was a year and a half ago. So we know that our markets are being flooded and it's killing Americans. So I'm sorry. That's dereliction of duty, and I believe personally, and I don't say this again lightly, that that's an impeachable offense yes. because it's a direct result of Biden's policy. And the same thing that's happened, in my opinion, with what Ukraine. He did that for 100% a political reason, and he put American lives at risk and cost American lives to try to make a political victory, trying to end things on September 11th, which two generals tacitly agreed with, did not agree with him in committee. But if they didn't resign, they didn't definitely agreed with him. And uh, so I believe that's an impeachable offense also. I think that particular decision will go down as the greatest blunder, the poorest decision ever in the history of this nation made by a president. For our listeners, because a lot of you, we hear Title 42 kicked around a lot. It is part of the U.S. health law, and it prohibits entry into the United States when the director of the uh, Center for Disease Control believes there's a serious danger. Well, this is all related to COVID, and it was kicked in, I guess, back in uh, uh, 2020, and now Biden's going to let it lapse at the end of May. At the same time, j just at the top of the hour news, they were talking about how you know the the alarmists are are all upset about COVID, you know, coming, and we got Fauci just earlier this week talking about well we might have restrictions and we might have to, might have, to have more lockdowns so which is it yeah yeah and at the same time we're also requiring people on airlines and in airports all to wear masks yeah. you know tom this is here it's real it's not going away there's a choice of vaccination i don't believe in mandatory vaccinations i'm sorry i just don't believe medicine should be made mandatory i think that's between a doctor and a patient and i say that as a physician of 30 years I do believe certain people should be vaccinated. I got vaccinated because I made an informed decision. As far as forcing employers to vaccinate young, healthy adults, I'm not so sure, uh, sure that's a smart decision. And here's another thing, Tom. Let's think about it. Who are probably the highest risk individuals other than the, el the elderly in this country? Those are probably folks on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Medicaid, those who are disabled, they have transplants, they have some of these other issues. But did Biden force them? to be trained to be vaccinated no, no no he didn't he only forced those who were employed because that would have been a political nightmare for him so it wasn't doing any of these things based upon medicine it was doing it based upon politics you know just about everybody uh, even democrats are saying i mean al sharpton and david axelrod both came out today and just said you know, what the left is pushing is, is not working. It's not selling. Nobody believes it. Nobody believes this is Putin's inflation. That, that, that's out of the mouth of David Axelrod. You know, when wow. when uh, Bill Clinton ran uh, after, or, or right after, I shouldn't say after when he ran, he, he won, and his first midterms, they got shellacked. 
Bill Clinton changed course. Now, he was no conservative, but he realized that if he was going to get anything done, he needed to try to be as bipartisan as possible. And, you know, he did some stuff with welfare welfare reform. Do you think the Democrats, uh, if if they get shellacked, do you think they will attempt to change course at all? No, no, I don't think Biden will, because I don't think, again, I don't think Biden's running the country. Right. You know, he may show up and read his teleprompter. But it is the progressives left, the leftist progressives who have taken over this administration, um, you know, from pronoun to illegal alien to everything else. And so I, I don't have great optimism for that. And you have to give that, uh, you know, to some administrations who do pivot and understand what their policies are doing is wrong. Do I think that uh, this administration will do it? I'm not holding my breath hoping for that. You know, whether it's abortion, education, and by the way, on the abortion issue, I don't know if you saw the uh, governor of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, signed a law today that basically, and and I'm I'm sure this is going to be controversial, it'll make all kinds of news tonight, uh, and I'm sure he will be vilified by the mainstream press, but basically it makes abortion illegal in the state except for cases in which there's a medical emergency. Now, the person performing the abortion would be in trouble the actual pregnant woman would not but whether it's abortion education parental rights backing the police drilling for domestic energy it seems to me that there is a wave crossing the united states embracing more conservative values saying let's get back to sensible policy do you see that i do tom and You know, I think if we step back and we look at 2020, um, a lot of folks did not vote for Trump and a lot of Republicans in some ways did not vote for Trump because of personality, because they didn't like his personality. You know, I just had so many folks come up and say, I like what he's doing, but I just can't take his personality. So there's a lot of, in my opinion, voter regret um, for those who just couldn't tolerate that. But what's happened is, and especially if you look back, and I I always akin this to the... uh, Wizard of Oz, the uh, apron being pulled back by Toto, which is what right, happened in Afghanistan. Right. And then you find out there's $450,000 being paid to, uh, you know, to individuals who come over into the country illegally when we only pay 400000 to a family member who's lost a loved one. Then you look and see what happened in Virginia where their governor said, no, parents don't have a right to teach their children. Um, it's, it's, the, uh, it's, uh, it's the government that should be teaching you. And then you look at the border being run over with fentanyl. Now, I think America, the middle America, you know, those who are very, very busy with their lives, et cetera, realize that now it's time to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to tolerate this. I can't be, quote, too busy any longer. I have to stand up for my children. I have to stand up for the future of this country. And, yeah, I think there will be a more conservative movement. Actually, I think more people in the country, if you if you went and just polled, you know, people about beliefs, not about party, but about beliefs. I think the majority would be conservative in their beliefs. By the way, before I let you go, uh, you were at the uh, Trump rally on Saturday night, I believe, weren't you? I was there. Yeah. How did it go? how did it go? Give us uh, give us a first person uh, assessment. Well, I, you know, there's obviously a lot of energy at those uh, at those events. Um, you know, just so many people are tired, sick, and fed up. Um, about what's the way that's going in the country. And they see the presidency of Donald Trump. Um, they look through his mean tweets. They look through his, some of his, uh, you know, things that he said, and they look to the policy itself. And this is what they folks want to return to. Right. They want to return back to a stable America. They want to return back to low inflation. 
They want to Absolutely. return back to energy independence, you know, security at our border, all those things, yeah. all those things. And that's why uh, that's why people are coming out. Well, and the mean tweets, I think people are looking back and saying, you know, if they were true, maybe they weren't so mean. <laughs> if there's some accuracy yeah, yeah, behind yeah. behind the, the statement, then maybe it's not nearly as mean as uh, as uh, people have tried to uh, to make it. Congressman, thanks for your sure. time this afternoon. I know you've got a primary coming up, and you do have some competition, so uh, folks need to get out and uh, – and vote come May 17th. But uh, thanks for giving us some time this afternoon. Always good to get your perspective. Great, Tom. God bless. Uh, take care. And uh, uh, you guys have a wonderful evening. Yeah. Happy Easter to you as well. Happy You're the most Day. amazing oh, yes, guy. Sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, Congressman. Stay Take with care. us. We'll right. have more news and views right after this. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back again. Our thanks to Congressman Greg Murphy for spending a little time with us this afternoon. The uh, weather forecast really looks good. I am really, really, really liking this weather. I don't think I will complain about the heat this summer. I say that now. But uh, it's really, man, it's gorgeous out there. Partly cloudy this evening, a low around 61. Tomorrow, partly cloudy sky, some sunshine, high around 85. Considerable cloudiness tomorrow night, a low around 65. Thursday, cloudy in the morning, thunderstorms later in the day, a high of 86. Chance of rain during the day, 15%. But uh, Thursday night's when the rain's going to come in. There's a good chance of rain Thursday night with a low around 55. But then the rest of the week uh, looks pretty good. Lots of sunshine, a slight chance of a shower on Friday. Easter Sunday, looking forward to the weekend, is uh, just gorgeous. Uh, sun, Easter Sunday, 72 degrees and lots of sunshine. Yeah, I talked to uh, Congressman Murphy about this. You know, whether it's abortion, education, parental rights, backing the police, drilling for oil, uh, there seems to be a wave crossing the United States embracing conservative values, even even Al Sharpton was on MSNBC this morning talking about how the progressive agenda is not sitting well with black Americans. White woke leaders, can you explain to them that they're not only losing white dudes in the upper Midwest, they're losing people of color. They're losing people of color because they really don't get the people of color's life. If you are living in a city, in a neighborhood that is inundated with crime and you act like that is not an issue, you've already lost me. That is an issue. Yes, we must deal with policing. I've been out front of that. But you cannot ignore when 12-year-old kids who somebody's niece and neighbor is killed and you act like that's a non-issue because you're too elitist to live on the ground. Remember that all of this happened while the Democrats were in power. You told us to put you in power. We put you in power. And now I can't afford the life I'm living. You've got to tell me how you're going to deal with that because I put you in power there to understand me, not to preach to me. This is really interesting because it's the white liberal out there. And the white liberals on this MSNBC panel 
They were uh, you, you could you could hear the the gasping as Al Sharpton was saying this. Now I don't think Al Sharpton has become any conservative, but here you have a liberal black American who is saying, "Hey guys, the rest of y'all, you're out of touch." And Al came out and said, "You're all going to get shellacked." I mean, I, the people think I'm the one that's saying it. Al Sharpton is saying it. How bad is it going to be? Our buddy Sutton, very timely call Sutton. Yeah, I mean, right as right as I play that clip, is is Al Sharpton right? Or, or is uh, whether it's yeah. liberal, whether it's liberal Black America or conservative Black America, they're looking at Joe Biden and saying, uh, you know what? No sale. We don't believe it. Yeah, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Now, you can call a red car blue as long as you want to, and you know it's red. Now, just like I told my wife from the beginning of this, this election cycle, I said, they're going to steal the election. I said, but what's going to happen? What's going to happen is they're going to mess up so bad that they're going to turn uh, the people's hearts and minds against them. Now, Al Sopton, that's about to be the uh, uh, most uh, righteous, righteous and best thing I ever heard him say out of his mouth. He got to call it what it is. Right. It's just like my friends at the store that I go to. Once upon a time, I was the only one in there telling them the same thing. If you put this crowd in power, you're going to see less than a year. You're going to see less than a year what they represent. They push this thing that we for the poor, we for the middle class, and they do this, that, and the third. I said, but you got to, you got to. Prove them about their works by what they do. All they is at power. Now, Al Sharpton hit it on the head, and uh, for one time, I can say he said something uh, worth me listening to out of his mouth. Uh, broken clocks right uh, twice a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I'm telling you, I might, I might uh, pat him on the back if I see him. You keep on like that, brother. You keep on like that, then you're gonna, you, you're gonna encourage some people. You can't tell people you you setting up stuff to oppress people and all this stuff coming through across this border and gas prices high and all this stuff and binding up that line to people and 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 telling people it's gonna be all right now. I will listen at today that he gonna be at A and T. He gonna he gonna uh, visit A and T University. Mm-hmm. There he go. He out there right now trying to store his, trying to store his stuff. That I'm all for this and I'm all for that. Oh yeah. But like Shapton just said, man, come on, man. It ain't about color. Everybody, if you pinch anybody the same way, they're going to feel the same pinch. Yeah. It ain't about color. Well, listen, Al Sharpton has had a real challenge with speaking the truth in the past and, you know, shading things uh, pretty significantly. But that just goes to show how obvious the problems are that a guy like Al Sharpton, who has, uh, you know, played with the truth in the past and just come out and said, guys, it's too obvious. I can't lie for you anymore. The truth is it's the either, truth, and everybody knows it. <laughs> it either there, uh, either there, or somebody cut his bankroll. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some, somebody's check bounced. <laughs> Sutton, thanks for the call. We got to take a break. Stay with us. I'll be right back. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. First thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Got to know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard? Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. I don't hear everywhere else. 
all the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news source is news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. How bad is Joe Biden? <laughs> Remember the Saudis wouldn't take his phone call? That story was out about a month ago. Joe called over to Saudi Arabia and wanted to talk to one of the potentates, and they wouldn't take his phone call. You know, tell them we'll get back to them. Tell them we'll get back to them. Saudi TV is now, I guess it's their version of uh, Saturday Night Live. Saudi TV, Joe is so bad, they're doing comedy skits about Joe Biden. If you're watching on Facebook or on Cable 7, I mean, we don't have the audio up. And they actually speak it in English. But it is just, I, I, when I watched it, I actually laughed out loud. But it is, it is, at the same time, it's sad that we've got these foreign nations who sometimes are adversarial to us are, are mocking us, making fun of us, because that's how low the president of the United States, who ought to be an esteemed individual, Joe Biden has taken it to a low that probably has never been seen before in the history of our country. That's how bad it is. What a sad commentary. Um, CNN, you know, they came out with their CNN Plus, which was supposed to be a streaming service from CNN, and it was supposed to be it. It was supposed to be the the deal. This was a paid service. And I said at the time, I said, wait, wait a minute. Nobody looks to the free service. Nobody watches the free service. Why in the world would you pay for something that you're not even going to take for free? I mean, you know, it's like trying to sell lemonade that tastes like vinegar. And, uh, well, I'm going to increase the price. Maybe I'll get some more customers. So they're charging for this. This is where Chris Wallace, he left uh, Fox News because he was going to go up to, you know, CNN Plus and all about it, right? Uh, CNN launched, launched CNN Plus on March 29th. $5.99 $5.99 a month or uh, 60 bucks in a year. To put things in perspective, CNN is uh, constantly number three. Fox News is constantly number one. MSNBC is considerably behind them, but they're number two. CNN, as bad as they are, they still get about 750,000 viewers per day. The CNN Plus paid subscription service, uh, right now they have less than 10,000 people paying for it. (laughs) How's that going for you, Chris Wallace? Just saying. Hey, thanks again to uh, our Congressman Greg Murphy. And uh, hey, we'll do it again tomorrow. See you at 5 o'clock. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.